our series looking at the Beatitudes. <clears throat> if you've got Matthew chapter 5 open, that would be good, um, just to have that ready uh, just for a few minutes' time. Um, it's uh, such a fantastic part of the Bible. If you're not familiar with the Beatitudes, um, I really wish um, that we could have actually taken them one by one um, and really spent you know, a whole talk thinking about how to sort of really apply them to our lives. Because the things we've read, you know, the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. We've talked about meekness uh, and all these emotions, these characteristics that perhaps aren't quite as popular as they once were or might have been at some point. And actually, these are, these are the characteristics that are meant to sum up God's people. And I hope that when we finish, we will all think about them and think, well, how can I put this into my life? What does it look like at work to be meek? What does it look like at home with the children or with my parents or whoever I might live with uh, to, to have humility and poverty of spirit? All those kinds of things. And actually, really pray over them and ask God to challenge you and encourage you to be like Jesus in every situation. And hopefully we'll do that, because these characteristics, these attitudes are truly world-changing. Um, I'm going to have to mention the World Cup, I'm afraid. Um, I'm not afraid, it's good. Um, at the moment, England are currently in the semi-finals of the World Cup. Excuse me when I do this. That's the last time, I promise. No, sorry, I can't stop myself. Um, I will apologise in advance for next week if we make the final, as I've done already. Um, but there we are. Um, but a lot, of, well, a lot of the reason why England are in the semi-finals of the World Cup, aside from the obvious thing of having quite a lot of Tottenham players in the side, obviously. Shush. I thought you said amen, brother. No? All right. <clears throat> Actually, quite a lot of it is down to the character of the players, but particularly our manager, Gareth Southgate. Now, many of you remember Gareth Southgate, bless him, uh, Euro 96, that was the first time I realised the pain of following England, um, when he stood up to take his penalty, having put his hand up to volunteer, and it was saved by the German goalkeeper, and the rest is sadly a tragic history of disappointment and shame and pain and perseverance and getting our hopes raised and dashed every opportunity. The golden generation have come and gone and we have a new generation and another chance to hope. <laughs> but they say of Gareth Southgate that here is a man actually who leads the England team with calm. He encourages the players to be the best they are. He has faith in them. He respects them. And most of all, he prepares. And what a great illustration as we finish our series of talks on the Beatitudes. What a great reminder that character is the engine of great action. That character is the engine of great action. Greatness only really ever happens because people have great characters first. Somebody once said, we do not need more knowledge. We need more character Another person said, character is a byproduct. It is produced in the great manufacture of daily duty. In other words, being honourable, godly, honest, passionate in the everyday mundane stuff leads to being all those things in the big things, the big important decisions that are life-changing perhaps on a much bigger scale. Somebody else said, character is not made in a crisis. It is only exhibited in a crisis. Hurts, doesn't it? Um, so when you say to people that's character building, that is, it's not really. Um, it's character showing. So actually, if you think, why do I react like that when things go wrong? You need to get better at being godly in, in the mundane stuff. So when the big things happen, you're ready to follow it. Charles Swindle, or Chuck Swindle to his friends, um, in one of his devotionals, uh, wrote this about character, about the, the kind of men and women the world needs. He says this, The world needs people who cannot be bought whose word is their bond, 
who put character above wealth, who possess opinions and a will, who are larger than their vocations, who do not hesitate to take chances, who will not lose their individuality in a crowd, who will be as honest in small things as in great things, who will make no compromise with wrong, whose ambitions are not confined to their own selfish desires, who will not say they do it because everybody else did it, who are true to their friends through good report and evil report, in adversity as well as prosperity, who do not believe that shrewdness, cunning and hard-headedness are the best qualities for winning success, who are not ashamed or afraid to stand for the truth when it is unpopular, and who can say no with emphasis, although um, all the rest of the world says yes. These are the people the world needs. And in the Beatitudes that we've been looking at these last few weeks, we see true godliness, a true Christ-like life, characteristics that are rewarded by God and used by him to calm and bless and heal brokenness wherever we might find it. And so, so far we've said that these Beatitudes are fit for the coming kingdom of God, that God's people need to seem and sound and act in line with God's kingdom and not always fit in with the rest of the world. Things like acknowledging our need of him, mourning our sin and the places of brokenness in society, being humble, being meek, desiring for more of God, being merciful, acting like him, having purity. And so today as we finish off these characteristics that are fit for the kingdom of God, that honour God, let's take the challenge to live differently and so see a difference in the world. Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This is a, a massive challenge, this one. Because in life, isn't it much easier to just go along with the angry chants and stoke the fires of resentment? And sometimes you even quite enjoy when you're in a crowd of people getting angry about someone else, not you. And you think, oh yeah, isn't he annoying? Isn't he doing... And everyone gets a bit cross. And you think, oh, I quite enjoy this. I'm getting cross as well. And, And actually, we're called not to stoke those fires, but to bring calm, to bring peace. But as Christians, we're called to be the ones that bring peace to those situations. So it's worth asking the question, isn't it? Are we the ones that bring peace to our friendship groups? When people rant on social media, all sorts of things, all manner of things, do we write in anger ourselves or do we show balance? When people are irritated, or when we're irritated, should I say, do we let rip because our temper has been lost not to be found or do we walk away, pray about it, count to 10 or 20 or 50 or 100, whatever you need, and then come back and offer a measured, godly response? Because blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. This beatitude is really interesting because there's something very Christ-like about it. When he was born, when he was uh, incarnated, should I say, at Christmas 2,000 years ago, he was called, Jesus was called the Prince of Peace, the chief, the one mainly in charge of peace. And we're to ask that question, aren't we, in every situation, what would Jesus do here? What would Jesus post on Facebook Nicky Cruz, um, who was uh, one of the young people that David Wilkerson saved from drugs and alcohol in the famous book Cross on the Switchblade, right back in America in the 50s, you may know the story. David Wilkerson was a Christian from a little parochial uh, place uh, running a little church in a little village. 
hometown in America. He felt called to God to go to New York and work with all these teenagers on drugs and, uh, and, and alcohol and really, really troubled. And he set up an organization called Teen Challenge. And Nicky Cruz was one of the first young people that he helped get off drugs and drink and all those things. And uh, Nicky Cruz became... Uh, someone who worked on the streets with all these young kids in New York, very dangerous times. And uh, there's one particular story as he walks down the road, Nicky Cruz uh, comes um, face-to-face with someone he knows who's very angry with him. And this guy gets out a flick knife and stands like that. And Nicky Cruz, it says in the story, goes right back to his old life and snaps off a car aerial and gets ready to defend himself. And he has a moment where he just feels God say, what are you doing? Put it down. And so he drops his weapon of self-defense And he says to this young kid who is lost, do you know what? You can cut me into a thousand pieces and every single one of those pieces will love you more than you'll ever realize. Needless to say, the kid put his flick knife away and the rest went on to be a very good rest of the story. These, um, I wonder actually, let me just say this, I wonder um, how much our big cities need people like Nicky Cruz again. There are wonderful Christian men and women that walk the streets and do some amazing work amongst young people with knife crime and gun crime and gang violence in this nation. But I wonder if God's calling anybody here to give everything up and go and work in the roughest parts of this country. Why not? Why not? God calls ordinary men and women to do extraordinary things. Is there somebody in this room right now who God is saying, those streets of London where every day someone's killed, that's your mission field? Is God calling you for that? Don't just wash it off. doesn't matter. Age, stage is not an excuse. God may be tapping on the soul and saying, do you know what? That's your ministry. That breaks your heart every time you hear it. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do here in Sorbidworth to stop the rot? Try to think about. But this is about being like Jesus, isn't it? It's about being calm, this beatitude. I always love the story of the woman caught in adultery. There Jesus is in the book of Mark, and he's sitting there at the temple just on his own, I think, and a whole baying crowd come with this woman caught in adultery, and they sort of chuck her to the floor in front of Jesus. Go on, let's kill her. That's what everyone else wants to do. What do you say? What does Jesus do? Does he get up and go, oh, you lot, and shout and scream and rant? No, he doesn't. He stops and writes on the floor. Calm. There's just peace and there's calmness. And they're all a bit, what's he doing? I don't understand. Why is he not sort of reacting? And then he just says, well, if you've never sinned, go ahead. He, without the sin, cast the first stone. He just brings peace. And they drop their stones of judgment one by one and walk off. How good to be like Jesus and just bring that word that just destroys that situation of anger and um, devastation. On the cross, as Jesus is being crucified for my sin and yours. What did he cry? Did he cry, Lord, smite them for this injustice? He didn't. He said, Father, forgive them. I don't even know what they're doing. How good is that? How wonderful. How challenging is that? Father, forgive them. How often we want our pound of flesh when we're offended. And Christ is our ultimate example. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. But it's more, it's interesting, this beatitude doesn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. We're not to be a spiritual version of the United Nations, but we're to be peacemakers. There's something proactive about this beatitude, isn't there? We're people who are supposed to go off and fight where there isn't peace to bring peace. Now I'm about to say something very controversial. Are you ready? When I was a kid, I was brought up watching Scooby-Doo. That's not controversial, obviously. Now, as the years went on, Scooby-Doo lost its way slightly, I felt. I felt it got a bit silly. Um, And they introduced another character, and this is the controversial thing I'm about to say to you. 
because they introduced a little character called Scrappy-Doo. Now, Scrappy-Doo splits opinion. Forget Brexit, forget football. Scrappy-Doo is really, for you for him or you against him, that's really how it all works in Britain. Anyway, Scrappy-Doo was the annoying little one who just, you know, was that big, you know, and he was a complete antithesis of his uncle who was always in the arms of Shaggy, terrified of everything. Whereas Scrappy-Doo would say, let me at him, let me at him. And he would have to put his foot on his tail and his little legs would go like that. And I remember as a kid thinking, yeah, I want to be like Scrappy-Doo, slightly taller. Um, I'd like to be like Scrappy-Doo. And actually, as Christians... Are we not supposed to have that let-me-at-it attitude? Here is a world that is broken. Here is a world that is dark. Here is a world that is restless. We are the people that have the answer. We are the people who have the light. We are the people that have the love of God in us. And are we not supposed to be the ones that say, Lord, let me at it. Let me at it so I can bring something of Jesus to every situation. I apologize if you think less of me for liking Scrappy-Doo. No, I don't. I'm proud of it. That's who I am. Anyway, so... But there are two types of peace that we could talk about as we look at this particular beatitude. Uh, there's peace that you bring in a situation. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so there's the kind of peacefulness that you bring when two people are fighting and you sit them down and you just say, look, let's listen to each other, let's you know, calm down everybody. But there's another sort of peace. There's a deeper spiritual peace. And what's really interesting is that the word here used in this beatitude in Greek is used in only one other place to speak of peace. In the book of Colossians, verses 19 and 20, Paul writes this. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. That's obviously Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That word in Greek used here in these Beatitudes is used of Jesus' mission when he came to the earth to pay the price for our sin, making peace between us and God the Father. Fundamentally, this Beatitude isn't limited to just helping others get along, but it's about preaching the gospel, the gospel of peace as it's called in the book of Acts, so people can be at peace with their creator. Because until someone knows Jesus Christ, they're not at peace with the creator. In fact, they're in rebellion. They're fighting against their creator because they want to be in charge of their own life. And so they're not at peace. That's why it says there's no rest for the wicked, the Bible says. And so we actually are about preaching the gospel so people can know God's peace and be at peace with their maker. Isaiah 52 verse 7 speaks of those that bring the message of peace like this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring glad tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. And this is a really key point in these Beatitudes that we're looking at. Our role is to tell people that it's possible to be right with God, to be reconciled to him as a holy God that then actually it's possible to know that true peace that passes all understanding. Not just a feeling of peace, but a right relationship with God, our King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that's the kind of peace the world needs. And so we move on, verses 10 to 12. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And for the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
And this is a really uh, interesting thing. These Beatitudes follow a very simple structure, don't they? If you do this, then this happens. If you're poor in spirit, you have the kingdom of heaven. If you are meek, you inherit the earth. If you do that, that's what happens. But as we go down them, we then begin to see that actually as we do them, there's not just spiritual rewards. There's actually earthly tension that goes hand in hand with it. As we look and seem different, we should and can expect trials and trouble and opposition as Christians. And many Christians fear this. We fear opposition we fear being disliked and so we become lukewarm we fit in we hide our faith we become personal about it rather than very public about it as we should be but as history continues as it gets ready to culminate with the return of christ we believe as christians that towards the end suffering will come for god's people that is to be expected and we must prepare ourselves for that day when the faith in jesus christ is not wanted anymore by people That day will come. That's a key understanding of our Christian future. And we see already, don't we, the growing irritation of traditional Christian beliefs in the media. What we stand for is so often caricatured and twisted so that it sounds bigoted and nasty, delivered on the world's media without any explanation as to why we believe what we believe. But we believe it for very good reason. Actually, yeah... And so we should expect, actually, that when we no longer live the way the world celebrates, that we will eventually be hated. And we should prepare ourselves for that. The way of Christ, you see, is not for the faint-hearted. It is a bold path where we work for God's glory and stand for God's truth, not in anger but in love, turning the other cheek when it's slapped, going the extra mile when put upon, and, yes, loving the very enemy who slapped us in the first place. We're to be different even when it hurts. And that takes bravery and boldness and courage. So many people think being a Christian is a doddle and the easy walk. It really isn't. It's been a bit easy, but I think it's going to get a bit harder. God's people, it's time to be strong in our faith and courageous and bold and gentle and merciful at the same time. So as we get ready to finish this little series, let's just step back a bit, actually, as we finish. Up until now, we've kind of honed on each individual beatitude and trying to apply it to our lives. But let's think about the context of these verses in Matthew chapter 5. At the end of chapter 4, obviously before we get to them, it's very early in Jesus' ministry. He's already called his disciples. He's gone and he's healed the sick. Um, He's done all sorts of healings. And hundreds of people have come to follow Jesus. And as he... As surrounded by all these people, he goes up on a mountainside and he sits down. It's a very gentle language. He sits as teacher to teach them. This crowd, like every other crowd, is looking for love and purpose and hope. And in chapters 5, 6 and 7, he's going to deliver the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous talk you ever heard, all about living in God's kingdom. But before he does that, he delivers these beatitudes, the message that the godly life, whilst hard is both blessed by God and leads to what everybody ultimately desires, happiness. And you know, as evangelicals, we're an evangelical church, as evangelicals, we don't really like the word happy. You may have come across Christians who are like that. Uh, The only time evangelicals like the word happy is at Christmas. At Christmas, they don't like the word merry, because merry has got other connotations. And so they get very upset at merry Christmas. Happy Christmas is okay, but not merry Christmas. The rest of the year, we don't like the word happy. In other words, like blessed. We're blessed. Well, that's good. Find the joy of the Lord. Anyway, so we're a strange old bunch. We sort of change depending on seasons. 
but we don't like the word happy. And then you'll see different renditions of the Beatitudes that start, happy are the poor in spirit, happy are the merciful. But mostly you'll see blessed are the merciful. In Greek, the Greek word can mean either blessed or happy. And actually, it just reminds me that this, these Beatitudes are not a stick for Jesus to hit this crowd with. But this is the teacher with his new disciples gently saying to them, here is a better way through life. These attitudes are more than superficial happiness. They will lead to a state of spiritual well-being and prosperity spiritually. This is life that leads to a deep joy of the soul. One translation I discovered this week, which I think is fantastic, translates it as, oh, the bliss. That's awesome. Oh, the bliss of those who are meek. Oh, the bliss of those who are persecuted. Oh, the bliss of those who are peacemakers. Because actually when you live Jesus' way, you are happier. You are more joyful. You have that bliss that nothing else on earth can give that is deeper than superficial happiness. And I want to end with that. I want to finish with that. Because these characteristics of the kingdom of God are not a punishment for God's people, but a route to genuine joy and bliss. This is the better way people search for their entire life. The bliss of self-denial, the bliss of humility and meekness, even the bliss of persecution for standing for what is right. This bliss isn't material gain, but spiritual. A deeper joy, a closer walk, and even a greater clarity of God himself. That is what's on offer through the Christ-like life. And so let me finish by saying this. Live different. Live different. Make a difference. And then see a difference in your own life and those situations around you. Christianity is not for the faint-hearted, but for those who are looking for happiness and joy, it's found only on the narrow path because it's the one that leads to life everlasting. Shall we pray? Lord God, we just lift up everything we've said these last few weeks. And Father God, these Beatitudes are really hard reading, actually. Father God, I personally read them and realize just how far short I fall, Lord, of what you expect of me. And Lord, I suspect in this room I'm not the only one. But Lord, as we finish, we want to recognize that when Jesus delivered these, it wasn't um, just some dry, sort of legalistic way of living. Lord, this was about life. This is how we live better. This is how we have that happiness and that bliss. Because when we live your way, then we know you better. We see you better. We're different and then we make a difference. Father God, may we be different, Lord, from the rest of the world, even when it's tough. But, Lord, not different with an angry face. Not different with people as people who are merciful, who are gracious, who are loving, who go that extra mile. And even if we find ourselves accused and friendless, that we would, we would utter the phrase, Father, forgive. May we be more like your son this week, we pray, and know the joy that goes with it. In his name, Jesus, our Saviour. Amen. We're going to finish with our final song. But... Um, I've got you all a present. I definitely bought it, actually. Um, I don't know if you bought them. You might have just stolen them from McDonald's. Um, and you all a, a packet of salt. Because that, these Beatitudes end with, you are the salt of the earth. And as we said right in week one, salt has two functions, to bring flavor but, and to preserve. And our world is changing around us. And actually, our job is to preserve what's good about it, what's godly about it. And that means we have to live different. So you're going to all have a little sachet. Sh- sh- no, I can't say it. I couldn't say it when we met. Could I? 
What, how did you say it? Sachet. Sachet. Sorry. A sachet of salt. Um, anyway, and, uh, and to take home with you. And uh, you can put it in your Bible. Um, don't put it in your salt shaker. That's not what it's for. Um, put it somewhere. And every time you look at it, just think to yourself, wow. First thing you think is, wow. I get to be salt in this earth. I get to just by living like Jesus make a massive difference to everybody I come into contact with. So the first reaction, in fact, we can even turn it, oh, let's do that. Turn it upside down and see a W for McDonald's, a W for wow. And then, let's let's do it this way. I've just had inspiration, hang on. And then turn it around and see again, E. And then think every day, every day I've got to be like Christ. And then let's go for an M. (laughs) And let's do... uh, Make a difference. No, that'll do. Okay, good. But you know what I mean. Pray about it, think about it, be challenged by it, and make a difference every day. And if no one notices, that's good. Because we work for the approval of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So make a difference, even if no one congratulates you for it. So we're going to sing, and I'm going to ask you actually to come and take one um, from the front so that you've been sitting down for a long time. So a bit of movement's probably quite good. Um, So. When the music's on, we're just going to sing and then just come to the front, grab a, grab a salt sachet. There we are. And if there's someone sitting there who can't get up the front, grab one for them as well. And uh, yeah, so we'll do that as the song starts. <laughs>